Okay, and this is what this is this is the off season. This is when you want to come up here and try and catch the steelhead strain, the big ones. Is in you know late October, November, um, March, April, early April, and then the river starts coming up, and then it's back to the 16 to 22, 24, and you still can catch a big one then. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at the Fly Crate. Get double the flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code DOUBLETHEFLIES at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly. Hi, my name's uh, Matt Gigay. I own a lodge on the west coast of Vancouver Island. I moved from Vancouver Island to the Kootenays uh, three years ago, and now I'm um, guiding on the uh, Columbia River in, in Canada, based out of uh, Janelle, which is between Trail and Castlegar. And in Canada, the Columbia, we have about 30 miles of river with lots of big rainbow trout in it. I'll tell you what, Matt, you're in God's country there. I have spent a lot of time. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And, man, I want to hear all about uh, these Columbia rainbows that uh, I know you're so famous for and also Rugged Point Lodge. And we're in Cayucat, which is uh, which is 130 miles up from the from the Klaklot. Perfect. But uh, I'm not too famous out here on the Columbia yet. I've m- moved out here three years ago. Uh, but the fishing here is pretty famous for some incredible uh, um, rainbow trout. Yeah, I, I know firsthand. I've I've seen some beautiful fish come out of that system. Spent a lot of time there, and uh, to be quite honest, never spent a lot of time on the Columbia. Um, tell us about the area that you're living now, Matt. That you now call home. What brings you to the area, and and tell us a little bit about the fishing you have to offer. Well. The unique, one of the unique things about the Columbia is it's open all year. Okay, and it's the main stem of Columbia. And the section we're fishing runs from uh, Hugh Kennyside Dam, which is just north of Castlegar, down to, and it flows across the U.S. border and ends up in Lake Roosevelt. So there's no more salmon up here, and you've had um, landlocked steelhead, rainbow trout, etc. And where we are in, in Canada, we have um, 30 miles of free-flowing Columbia River. Hmm. That's awesome. So what, what, what specifically, what species are you targeting? Uh, us, we, we target the uh, rainbow trout. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in, in May, May through September, it, it is, you know, you're mostly fishing the 16 to 22-inch resident trout. In the fall, in the off seasons, when the river gets gets dropped down, um, you can target. There's some big trout in the river. You target them spay fishing with, uh, you know, spay casting, long casts, and kind of traditional flies. Right. And uh, one of the guys that works for me now, he uh, he gets he's caught them up to 20 pounds. Wow! I... So there there are some big fish in the river. You're not going to catch one every day, but you you have you have shots at them. Yeah, and that, you know, 
I want to find out more about the Columbia system and, and your passion. But for what I like to do on the show, Matt, is take it back to your roots. How did you get started in fly fishing? Well, I got started in fly fishing on Vancouver Island fishing with my grandfather when I was a, was a kid. But uh, I, as I grew I, I've been a fishing guide all my life. And I, I guided on the Stamp, Somass, mm-hmm. Gold River, and, and those areas you know, on Vancouver Island for steelhead and salmon all my life. But as unfortunately the steelhead, you know, population is, you know, there's not enough there anymore to fish. So we, and, and with that and our, our, our West coast lodge, we were promoting it and I didn't need to fish as much in the winter. We were more promoting our, our West coast lodge. Um, we ended up coming through this area and I wanted to fish on a river again. So I looked at a river that had a lot of fish and didn't have any issues, and this is where we are. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The, I mean, tell us a little bit about how you access the river. So when you take customers out or clients out, is it is there any walking ways? Is it strictly a drift thing? Oh, there's lots of walking ways. Um, see, the, the, the river is controlled by the dams, right. okay? it's it, So every Friday you get a report on what's going to happen with the water. But, but overall, what, what happens is in, in the fall, September, the river's still pretty high, and then come October, they start dropping it, dropping it, dropping it, and they drop the river right down. Right now there's islands in the river where in the summer there's 10 feet of water on hmm. them. Okay, and this is, what, this, is, this is the off season. This is when you want to come up here and try and catch the steelhead strain, the big ones, is in you know, late October, November, um, March, April, early April, and then the river starts coming up, and then it's back to the 16 to 22, 24, and you still can catch a big one then. But so it, it's all con- controlled by the dams. Right. Well, you know what's funny is I, I actually used to live on the Columbia. I lived in Revelstoke. So the, the one thing, okay, the wild yeah. thing about that river is it's so big. It, it's so different right from uh and and how many hundred miles up the river are you from where we are exactly and, that, and that's what i was thinking yeah, and it's, it's like, so big that's the thing the columbia it's so big it's mind-boggling it really is and i i know yeah. it's i mean it's it's one of the most important rivers in north america if not the world in my opinion I mean, you look what it brings in salmon in, 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 and how we use it for transportation. Well, our, our, our lodge in the summer, um, probably 60% of the fish we catch come from hatcheries on the Columbia River. Is that right? Yeah, talk about going full circle, right? Think what those fish have to come through to get there. That's what boggles my mind. Well, up where we are, there's no salmon. And there are plans to bring salmon up here. We're above the Grand Coulee. Right. But... It was, the, you know, the, the U.S. Engineers Corps. This all happened right after World War II when they went and dammed all this and it was for flood control and irrigation. Essentially, Canada is, like, we're the holding pond for all those orchards in Washington and Oregon. Right. And right now, that's why the river is so low is because they're holding all that water back. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. amazing. Like, I'm 100 yards from where I put my boat in in May to where I'm putting my boat in right now. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing about... But the good thing about dams is they keep that flow... They can keep that flow consistent, right? Whereas you don't see 
the highs and the lows that some yeah no it's flood flood control and high you know and it's it's clean there's you know it's you know we need we need the power and this that and that and and they're there so you right. know it, you kind of got to live with it um before the dams were here in this area where we are there was apparently the chinook were you know 50 60 up to over 100 pounds wow and the steelhead that used to go up the slow can river which is a little you know like 10 miles from where i am you know were you know 15 to 30 pounds on average yeah it's just amazing but when they put those dams in they stopped that but some of those genes are still mixed in with the trout so you have the locals that I've that have fished the river for years say there's three different type of type of trout. There's one with spots here and spots there, and ones that get bigger, ones that turn pescavicious, meaning ones that eat fish and all right. that, and then other ones that eat insects. And this is a question I have for you, and and you're the first person that I've heard actually say that. And I love talking to local people with knowledge of those systems because I find that with a lot of places I fish, they're not the same rainbows, and especially if they're spawning, you know, these are not hatchery fish. Uh, I would imagine. and Well, no. Well, there's, uh, see, the, it, the Columbia here, it drains down into uh, Lake Roosevelt, and the Spokane Band down on Lake Roosevelt has a big hatchery down there. Mm-hmm. So so stuff comes up from there, who knows what. Um, there's a walleye in the river, which is, you know, they were never here. That's an invasive species. Um, there's pike. The pike are up in the up by the like right in front of the dam in the in, in the frog water where it's real slow. Okay. But once you get down into the river, you don't see any of those. So there's invasive species that have come in. It's completely changed. But some of those great genes from the uh, Adronomus fish that were once here are still there, and that's why, like the average trout in here, like a 16 inch trout is you know it's kind of small. Like most of them are, you know, 18, 20 inches. They're beautiful, healthy, big shouldered fish. But there's a few of them that look, look different, and then a lot of them, you know, you, you they get bigger. Hmm. What is it that makes these fish so big, in your opinion? Is it the feed? Um, is it the, the Well, the water? I think it's genetic, genetics with having steelhead, mm-hmm. and the major flow of, of, of the river and the amount of food that they have to eat. Right. The river never gets too cold. They can, they can actually eat all year. And the river's open all year. You can fish all year, which is kind of, it's unique because you don't have that spring spawning closure. You know, there are areas that are, are closed because of the spawning area, but other than that, most of the river's open, hmm. which is nice because not all fish spawn. So you, you can fish through that time and, and it's a fabulous time to fish as long as you stay, as long as you stay away from the reds. <laughs> is, is there mountain whitefish in that system too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what other like is there is there bass is there? Um, I don't think there's bass, but the Ponderay comes into the Columbia just above the border, and I know there's bass in the Ponderay. And the Ponderay is another one that's majorly dammed, and that is where they figure the pike came in. Mm-hmm. And and there is they're tr- really trying to like there's some um, Golder Associates. It's a, a contracting company that they're trying to keep the other you know, biological contractors are, you know, studying the river all the time because of all the power companies, right? Not, and there's like a couple of different power companies that hold the dams. 
So these guys are out there trying to make sure that everything's good and they're electroshocking and, you know, and studying the river all the time. We're talking today with Matt Gigay of Columbia Rainbows out of Janelle, British Columbia. Matt, I want to take it back to your uh, to your roots a little bit. We started to get into that. I, w- I want to know who's been the biggest influence in your fly fishing. Is there any people uh, or person that comes to mind? Well, I got... To... <laughs> Well, first off, it would be my grandfather, and then uh, Phil Rowley, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Um, David Murphy, I fished with him on, you know, I worked for him for a number of years. He got me on to Summer on Steelhead. Um, Mark McAneely, watching him on the gold, you know, he inspired me. You know, um, you know, and, and I'm also, you know, Brian Chan's a, f- a friend of mine, all those guys. And, uh, you know, just watching watching what they do. And, and, uh, we used to, I used to spend my fall guiding for coho on the rivers behind the lodge in, in Cayuca, but it was all, it was all catch and release for coho. Fabulous fishery, but we got kind of run out, run out by helicopters. They started coming over because the Broughton, Broughton Peninsula wasn't producing the amount of fish. So the helicopters was a helicopter fishery and they would, they started venturing over into our area and kind of, kind of ruined our, our, our little remote fishery out there. And it was all, you know, fly fishing, catch and release. Right. So, so quite a few people, um, reading Roderick Haig Brown's, uh, books in my teens. That, that was, that was a big one. I can just almost visualize that. You, you just open and start reading a few, a few phrases of Roderick Haig Brown and it just, it just takes you to another place. Mm-hmm. Huh. Anybody else that comes to mind? That's quite a list. Yeah. Well, yeah, those, well, those, those are all people that are, then, yeah, that I know are friends. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, it, it amazes me how big of a pastime this is, but at the same time, how small it is. Everybody seems to know everybody, whether it's from shows or from the circuit or from guiding. There's a lot of mutual connections for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and uh, you know, when we were thinking about moving out here, you know, I was talking to, you know, to, to Brian Chan and he was like, well, why don't you come to Kamloops and get on to the, the Stillwater thing? But the timing didn't work out for our ocean season and the fly season. Right. Right. So it, it had to work out. And, and the sad thing is, is that, one of the main reasons I'm out here in the in the Kootenays is because of the state of the steelhead fishing on Vancouver Island. Hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. I, what does that look like? I mean, I I remember back in the day well, the stories well, the, of the, the gold used to have a, like a, a few thousand winter runs in it. Right. Then it went to a few, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, and then into the hundreds, and then they're gone. When they do the swim counts, like the, the like they do a a swim count from one bridge down to a you know the same count every year, same time. Right. And and when things were good, they would see six hundred to twelve hundred, and in the last few years they see zero. Hmm. And, it, and it has to do a lot of it has to do with logging, and a lot of it has to do with the fish farms in the estuaries wherever you see those fish farms. Like I'm not a biologist you know, whatever, but I can see where there's fish farms in the, in the sound 
the wild fish have trouble. Look at Clackwood Sound. Look at Nipka Sound now. Go to Cayucat Sound. We have no fish farms. And look at the amount of wild fish we have up there. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... I try. I try not to get too political on the show, but uh, you're, yeah, I know you're talking, it's tough. You're talking it's about tough. something. Yeah, that, I don't like getting political either. No, no, but. no. That's and you know what? It's but you're you're not. You're just telling it as you see it, and I appreciate that because I think a lot of times we try to sugarcoat things. But I know when you, you talk to people that have been fishing certain waters, and I, I think you and I are similar age. And I think back to when I was fifteen or sixteen or eighteen, whatever just kind of getting going and fly fishing some of the lakes we went to had monster fish and some of them had nothing and now you know what i mean like you look at there's places i used to go where i wouldn't see another person and now you might see 20 people and we oh yeah but we but globally that's pretty good yeah no that that's you know it's it's incredible what they've done with the uh with the um the stillwater fishery in the interior yeah like like what what Brian Chan and 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 Fish BC have done with the you know you know like it's amazing and like you got to give them kudos to that for developing what they have hundred percent and yeah and you know and we need to develop like you know like more fisheries like like I feel like there's some parts of the Thompson like like not for steelhead you know but for for trout that should be opened up a little bit and. Right. Need to need to micromanage more. I remember, I, I, not that I ever really got in on this, but I did do the Thompson a few times for steelhead, and the first steelhead I ever saw just porpoised in front of me, and it was so big that I just I couldn't even fathom it. And I'm sure you're used to seeing fish like that, being a you know a salmon guy, and and some of these big bows you got in the Columbia. But when I saw this thing come up in front of me. I'm just like, that's, that's an animal. Like, that's not a, do you know what I mean? That's not a trout. That's mm-hmm. somehow more. No, I, well, I never, never saw, like, on the Columbia here, I haven't, I haven't got any of those, you know, I haven't got anything over eight pounds. Um, the, the guy that's, you know, Bruce, that's going to be working with me, he has, and he's been here for a long time, and it's great to be able to work with someone like him. He's got the same boat as me, uh, you know, lots of, same pure friends. He's teaching me to spay fish and, right. and yeah, like those are around, but that's not something you see all the time. But when I was in gold river and, and guiding there, you know, I had fish that measured in girth and, you know, well over, you know, 25 pounds a number of times. And yeah, those are special fish and, it, and it's a shame to see them gone. It is an absolute shame. Well, you- and, and it has, it has to do with so many things. It not, it's not only, the, the farms in the front of the river, but it's the acidity in the river that there's no bugs. It's logging. There's a lot of stuff that adds up to this, you know, and yeah. we have to be so careful with our resource. We have to be, you know, protect it and do what we can to, to make sure that there's a future. Yeah, that's well said. I, I want to do a bit of a 360 on you, Matt, and just get a little bit back to the Columbia. So, um, for those of us that haven't spent maybe time where you're fishing, explain to us exactly, I know you're in Janelle, what, what section of the river are you fishing exactly? Well, um, there, there's 30 miles of river between the border and Hugh Kenny Sign Dam. And the part up around Hugh Kenny Sign Dam down about five miles is pretty slow and it's, it's mostly walleye and there's lots of trout and kokanee in that area. Then the river picks up. 
and then it it comes down between Castlegar and Janelle. There's you know there's great spots. There's the D Bar D and this that and the other great big back eddies that are famous that you might have seen on Freshies shows with them right. um, casting the caddis and all that. And then the the valley spreads out a little bit around Janelle, and there is some islands. You know, so there's lots of definition through there. Then it narrows up a bit and goes down into trail. And then it spreads out again and, and hits the border and the uh, pond array comes in. So it, like it's, um, it's big water, but not big rapids, but just big, heavy volume. And it takes a while to learn it. And in the, in the spring, like the, you know, the back eddy fishing, the fish are, you know, they're eating, uh, you know, you know, they're, you know, pheasant tails and chronomids and all that kind of stuff. And some dry action, you know, then, then the big, the big hatches in, in the, uh, late June um, through July with the, with the caddis and all that. So there's just, it's, it's, it's huge. It's a dynamic fishery up here and, and it just changes. But the neat thing is it's open all year. Right. And, and at this time, time of year, there's hardly a soul to be seen on the river. If somebody wants to book a trip with you, how do they go about, what's the best way to do that? Where do they find you at? Um, well, they can uh, look up uh, Columbia, Columbia River Rainbows, or uh, Rugged Point, Rugged Point Lodge, mm-hmm. and we're just in the process of getting our uh, our rainbow or rainbow page up and um, getting Bruce online. Bruce is he wants to get he's uh, like a competitive spay caster and he and he wants to um, offer that like coaching mm-hmm. and spay fishing and slowing down, not fishing for the small fish, but going for the big fish. And, and he's been, and he's been up here and living here for 18 years. And, uh, that's a pretty unique thing. And that is more on the shoulder seasons, which is like now. And then, uh, you know, mid March through, uh, mid April to come up. And it's it's essentially instead of fishing trout on the, on the Columbia, where we are, you're going to be fishing steel head sized trout. Yeah. Wild. Well, when you just said I haven't caught any bigger than eight pounds, I'm thinking eight pound fish. Really? Yeah. In a river? That's a, that's a big fish. Well, I know. And that's like, that's what I, I just went, uh-oh. I fished this river. I fished the first time I fished it was down at, uh, on the American side. We met these people at a trade show, and they had a place in Northport, and I always wanted to fish, and I stopped and fished, and you know, I got a four and a six, and I, and I was just like, oh, uh-oh. And then they started looking above the border, and that's how it all ended up. We left Vancouver Island to come out here because of the, the trout. Well, the, the trout skiing, great schools, wonderful people out here. Like, what a great place to live. You know, so, something I like being that it's such a beautiful part of the world, and and you need to go somewhere to get your fix. Talk fishing, whether you're in Janelle or even nearby cities, say Trail, Nelson, Castlegar. Where's your place to go to talk? fishing is there like a brewery or a fly shop you frequent um i've been when i first got out here i booked a trip with um castlegar sport and fly fishing right and i went out with him and then told him you know who i was and what i was planning to do and he could have just said oh you're another guide and kicked me out of the boat but he said oh why don't you join our club the east kootenai fly fishers and he has a, a shop in Castlegar and just an incredibly wonderful guy. And you can get all your information there. You can get all your, all the flies that work on the river 
and where to go and, and, and at what time. And, and that's what I found. It's just been like, people have been so open yeah. out here. That's great. And, What's yeah, the name of that a real, shop? A real, real breath of breath of fresh air. What's the name of the shop again, Matt? Oh, it's um, uh, Rod okay. right. Rod Um He calls it Castle Gar Fly Fishing and Sport Fishing. Okay. I just call it the fly sh- the fly shop in Castle Gar. <laughs> West Kootenay Fly Club and Rod Zabadak and and yeah, like he has been you know a major mentor for me on this river. Awesome. And that's that's something that I love about our pastime is how sharing people are. You know, how are how are we going to learn if we if we don't share with the next generation coming up and maybe speak a little bit where how do you think fly fishing is right now as a state as a pastime like as far as uh where are we at? Are we are we in a good place right now in your mind? I would say so. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. I would I would say it it is I don't think it could be any better, really. Yeah, I, I agree like, 100%. Like, I think... Uh, you know, like, I've been to the, you know, the big Denver show, the Pleasanton, California, Seattle, and it's huge. Yeah, those. I love that show you're talking about. That's a lot of fun. Do you get out to a lot of those shows to promote your... Uh, oh, well, yeah, I used to do them all. Yeah, so you know the circuit. Oh, yeah, and then I've also done the other circuit. Right on. Yeah, well, and with the salmon with Rugged Point Lodge, right? That's uh, Yeah, so, and, and that's our bread and butter. Like, I have five, five boats. Right. We do 15 guests, four days, three nights, and we do 30 trips. What kind of boats do you run on the uh, on that? All Grady Whites. Nice. Yeah, check, check, out our, check out our website. Like, like we've got a really good thing going. We're in the northwest part of the island. Do you get in on that fly casting for coho and the kelp beds and all that? Um, oh, we could, but like that was, um, I was there in Tofino and all that started. Right. And, you know, there, there's just not enough money to, you know, you, yeah, you can have a boat that does it, but our bread and butter is getting your salmon held at Lincoln. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Awesome. Um, sorry, I'm getting off track here. Um, I hear, that's all right. You know, something, something I like to ask is, is can you paint a picture for, for us, Matt, as far as your perfect day on the water, whether that's, I assume it's on the Columbia, but what does that look like? Kind of when does it start in the morning and kind of walk us through that a little bit? Well, my favorite days in the river are, you know, start around nine. You know, not too early. Let th- let things wake up. High overcast. Uh-huh. So you don't have the glare. And no other boat. And so what do you, what species are you targeting? Obviously rainbows? Rainbow, 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 like, like steelhead rainbows. They're, they're my favorite fish. They're, they're incredible. You know, even like when I was living on, when we were on living in Port Alberni and I was guiding on the step, we lived at on Sprout Lake, like right on the lake. So you had the lake and there's big cutthroat up to 10 pounds and rainbows, three, four, most of them in pound and a half. And you get a pound and a half, two pound rainbow. What a fight. You get a five pound cutthroat. And it was like, yeah, the the take is good, but I know exactly what you're saying. If you had your, if you had your choice though, would you be fishing a dry fly or a nymph? Oh, I love, love dry fly fishing. Who who could not love dry fly? That's um, early September. 
through to the depends on on what they do with the water and and the, of course the temperature, but a fabulous dry fly right. fishing with with terrestrials. You know, there's nothing rising, nothing rising, and I just fish a tom thumb, and I'll sometimes have on one cast have three or four fish in it. Yeah, well, see, like fishing fishing the big hatches up here, you got to be perfect. You know, you you know, and and again, and they see so there now there's like five or six boats floating around the eddies and all this. And that ends. And then I, because like, I'm, I'm gone, I'm gone June, July, August, and I'm back Labor Day weekend. And I start fishing the day after I get home. And I just started just throwing big terrestrials out and there's fish looking up and you get some nice ones too doing it. It seemed to be the big splat. And one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, five, six, about a ten second drift, and then huh. whap it again, whap it again. Because we're we're not competing with all the cat. There's there's not a hatch going on. It's like a dragonfly just landed there, and this is where that trout yeah. lives, and he's made his living looking what up. You, here's here's a weird question for you: When you're fishing a dry line, what color what color dry line do you like to fish? And I always natural. I hate bright. Unnatural color fly lines, I, huh. I step back. Well, from. just when you said looking up, I, I always think of that, and I think of the fly line, and a lot of times dry lines are very bright. I always I struggle with that sometimes. Um, I struggle with it too, and, and I've talked to It's because those they sell to the people who want to buy them. Um, no, I like, uh, I've, I've been using the, the scientific angler's amplitude lines, the heavy and a half, and with the coating on them and I'm using a 10 foot five weight Orvis mm. clear waters. Like, wow. And I also have some of the, uh, the hydros ones, like the high end ones. And honestly, those clear waters, I like, I'm shocked at how good yeah. those clear waters are, honestly. And then, and then I got the, uh, yeah. the hydros reels that go with them. And yeah, I'm, wow. I'm an Orvis guy. Like, I got an H or a Helios like, three that I actually, a 10 foot five weight that I just love. But yeah, I got the 10 foot four weight Helios three and it, you know, it's yeah. beautiful. And that, and that's my ride. No one else what, really uses it. What do you, so when, when you're out on the Columbia, what's the go-to, like say your target in these bigger bows, what, what's your go-to weight and length of rod? Well, when I'm, when I'm out, I'm just targeting trout. Right. Um, the guy that I'm, you know, I'm starting to work with, Bruce, he's using spay rods, and he's targeting big fish. He's not going after the small fish. Right. Okay, and he's using, uh, you know, he's using a nine weight, fifteen foot, and he's a competitive caster, so he's also practicing his casting, but he's casting 160 feet. Right. Okay, so this is something other people don't do, you know. 160 but feet. I can't even fathom that. Yeah, so he is, um, but what, yeah, so it's a little bit different what I'm doing with my guiding and what he's going to bring to our guiding operation. Right. But he will also take people out. I'm with, I'm going to get him four rods all set up. But, you know, in, you know two yeah. drives, two indicators. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And then if he and then if he wants people to you know if we got people that want to learn how to how to spay and and do all that, that's his specialty and and he'll take over that part. Yeah, cool. But okay. while I am gone in the summer, he's going to be here, able to run run the boat and do trips for me. 
Yeah, and all that. I, I could see, I could really see spay casting going real big because you got some big water there too, right? It's you, huge. It's huge. Yeah. Like you wouldn't believe how huge it is. And right now, like the river's as low as it gets, and it's still big. I'm gonna fire some rapid questions at you, okay? Yeah. Lions or Canucks? Oh, Canucks for sure. Rainbows or coho? Oh, that's a tough one. Fifty-fifty. Oh, 75, oh, 75, 25 rainbows, but that's hard because the coho fishing I've had on the northwest coast of Vancouver Island, those little tiny rivers, you know, numerous over 20. Yeah. No, that's... You know, and fabulous <laughs> fish. That, that's, an, that's an unfair question. <laughs> I love it. Favorite, yeah. favorite dry fly pattern? Tom Thumb. Oh, come on, get out. You're going old school on me. You betcha. <laughs> Clearwater or Helios? Oh. Well, no, but the thing is, personally, Helios for all-around work rod, Clearwater. Ah, interesting. Cool. I, I've never cast one, and, and the value looks amazing in that line, for sure. Oh, they're, they're like, blow, like, I don't want to step up. I want to, like... Hmm. Just keep those those clear waters. What is it you like, Matt, about that? Is it is it a little slower action, or explain that to me? Um, it has nothing to do with any of that, other than the fact that they cast really nice. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Good stuff. Have you got any crazy fish stories for us? I I always like to ask that because once in a while I get some real weird and interesting stories. Have you had anything weird that's happened to you in the last little while on the water? Um, this summer I got out in the ocean. I got circled by a great white that was about 14 feet long twice. Wow. Yeah. One of the neatest things that I've ever seen. And I I have a 28 foot Grady with, you know, twin two fifties on it. We're offshore. And what's that? We look and it went around the boat twice, about three feet underwater. And there was no mistaking what it was. Wow. Is that normal to see great whites there? Um, not normal, but they, you know, they're on our, our list of sharks to, to see. Right. And it was just way too big to be a salmon shark. I've seen lots of salmon sharks, but they just don't get that big. Yeah. So that would be about the, yeah, that was the craziest thing of the summer. That's wild. That was a highlight and yeah, no, we, you know, no one could get a camera out fast enough or you know, around the boat twice and we were trolling. It was like, wow. If you could change something about fly fishing is there anything you'd like to see us do differently or better i'd like to change some of the silly regulations okay like it would explain um the no indicators one fly um no split shot you know yeah when you say no indicators where can you not use indicators uh fly fishing only you mean so you can't use indicators in the Columbia? No, you can. It's it's not fly fishing only. But if you're if you're in fly oh, fishing only I, water, I got you. you are not allowed to use external floats or weights. Seriously, I did not know that. Yeah, and and the uh, the two yeah, that, the two yeah, yeah. fly rule, like come on, come on, come well, on. That's that's something yeah. I struggle with because most parts of the world you're allowed to fish with two flies. We have this weird rule here in BC where we, if you're on your own in a boat, you can have two rods. I always get confused by that. You can, if you're on your own, you can have two rods in a, in a lake, for instance, 
But can you in a river? No, 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 and you can't, and <laughs> and you can't have two flies either in BC. But, yeah, but you so can. Some of those stupid, stupid things like that would be nice. Yeah, good one. Like, like, come on, it's not really doing anything other than giving a, a CEO something to to nitpick at. Well, we can't do the hopper dropper, can we? No. Nope. <laughs> and boy, do I hear about it from the Americans and the Albertans. <laughs> well, I don't imagine you would. Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure, because it's what it's the it's the way you're used to fishing, right? So when you, you gotta obviously respect those rules. One thing I do appreciate. Yeah. Is not having to deal with the tangles. Well, I have a hard enough time, especially with a headwind. I mean, you throw another fly, and that's just asking for problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, hey, man, like, is there anything we haven't talked about, about your fishing or your business you'd like to cover um, that I might have missed? Um, no, other than, you know, we're a year-round family-operated professional guiding service. Or we, you know, we've now just moved to the out here. And, uh, you know, and, and our, our thing on the ocean has gone going great. So as, as long as they don't make ridiculous closures which we were where we are we were very lucky that we didn't get hit by them right as long as things are based on science we're good as if if, if the uh, things turn political it's not good yeah that's well said um question for you so if somebody wants to check you out on social media um throw all your handles out there what's the best way to find you matt um, I am not a big social media guy, um, but we, we do have a Rugged Point Lodge Facebook okay. thing, and we're on Instagram. My wife does all that stuff. What about Columbia she Rainbows? Does, she, where, where can we find Columbia Rainbows? I know your Facebook page was Columbia River Rainbows. Yeah, we're, we're kind of dropping the, the river because it's okay. just too long. Fair enough. So it's just going to be Columbia Rainbows? Yeah, but go with whatever it is as is. But yeah, we're, we're we had a little meeting with Bruce today. And I go, what should we do? And he goes, that's just too long to hashtag and this, that, and the other. Right. It's always hard coming up with a name. Yeah. No, absolutely. But you know what, though, yeah. you know, Every... I didn't want to call it Big Matt's Charters or something. You know, <laughs> Big Big Matt. The I mean, yeah. basically. The I mean the Columbia River speaks for itself, and you guys are famous for huge rainbows in those back eddies. And I just remember watching. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is that no, like they're not huge rainbows in the back eddies. Like they're sixteen to twenty-two inches. That's what you're going to get in the back eddies. Okay. And when the river drops and all that, and then it gets this time of year, you can go out like 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 with Bruce. Like I was out with him last week, and you know he got you know, a six and an eight. Wow. And, yeah. So like it totally changes where you're going to actually going to target those big ones. But at those times, you're just going to catch the, the regular trout and you might, you know, sure you might catch one of those big ones up doing it, but to target them, there is a time and that's late in the season. It's uh, late September, October and early season when, when the river's down low. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending an evening with us tonight, Matt. I really appreciate it. We've been chatting with Matt Gigay from Janelle on the Columbia River in beautiful British Columbia. Thanks again, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, A pleasure. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.